Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hodgeberg, and this is episode number 398. You just heard me say a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising, and today we're spinning that world over to Australia to get a sense of where cruising is or isn't really, and what's going on down under with cruising resuming. Here we go. The entire cruise world is upside down, inside out, and probably tie-dye at this point. But there's a lot happening in a world in which there's not a lot happening. And let's be real about it. There's also a big wide world out there in terms of lots of different countries, lots of different cruise opportunities out there. And obviously, as a U.S. resident and as somebody who covers primarily the biggest chunk of the cruise market here in the in North America, um, it's easy for me to lose track of what's happening outside the U.S. So today, I thought two things. One. I need an excuse to get Pippa back on because I love Pippa. Second, I thought it'd be really great to be able to give everybody an update on where cruising is in Australia because kind of an interesting enigma, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, let me welcome back to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, Pippa from Ocean Time on YouTube. Pippa, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Matt. It's great to be here again. Absolutely. You're, you're slowly creeping up on Michael Poole's appearance rate at this point. So hopefully pretty soon you'll be the... You, you, you'll eclipse him at some point and uh, we can, the world will be good again. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about Australia Pivot because as an American, I see a lot of headlines and it's great. Honestly, I'm scratching my head because you guys are in a much different situation in terms of COVID than here in the U S uh, in a lot of countries in Europe as well. And um, it kind of strikes me as interesting because um Australia just extended its ban on cruise ships for another couple months, which is a little irrelevant, right? We'll get into that in a little second because, of course, the Australia cruise season is only part of the year. But never mind that. The point is, is that Australia, similar to the U.S., has been banning cruise ships from being able to travel there. But um, you guys are in a much different situation. So let's talk about, first of all, what the change is, um, Australia extending the the travel ban. Um, and and that, that basically is applied just for cruise ships, Pippa, or is it for other forms of travel as well? No, it is it is for sort of any international travel as well. So flights in and out of other countries. So to my understanding, they can only do it in three months increments. And so since March the 17th, 2020, that's what they've been doing. So um yeah, recently it went from March the 17th, now it's at June the 17th. The next one, if it gets extended, will be September the 17th and December the 17th. So, um, and there's a wide range of people saying that it will get extended sort of to to next year. Um, Recently, we've had Qantas come out and say, no, uh, late October we'll be flying internationally. Um, But the the big thing is, like you always say, no one knows. Yep. Well, that's that's definitely the case. Um, I was just looking it up. And uh, Australia currently has, if the Google stats are correct, uh, there's about 29,000 cases of, of COVID in Australia. Uh, 25,000 have recovered. Um, and you guys, your seven-day average is uh, 11 cases over the last seven days or so. And, um, you know. Yeah, but from- the thing with that is, mm-hmm. is that's all from um, people coming into the country from other countries. Mm. So they're all in hotel quarantine and... There's no community transfer in Australia. Yep. And and that's part of why you hear that and you think to yourself, my goodness, why? why I can understand why you don't want to open up your borders to certainly Americans, right? Or, or a lot of other countries as well. 
But why, why haven't you, why hasn't Australia, not you, I know you, why hasn't Australia <laughs> uh, opened its borders to cruise ships in the same way that uh, Singapore has? Because Singapore seems to be very much, um, you know, uh, in line with where you are. I mean, I think their numbers are a little bit better, but still, you're, you've, you've, your border's been closed for a while. Um, you have very low numbers. And yep. obviously, Australia was a huge cruise market before the pandemic. Um, I read that Australia had the highest market penetration of any cruise market outside of the U.S. That's really yeah. impressive. Yeah, and I think it still is. Like, we're we're still buying cruises, you know. We're, we're booking <laughs> them. Um, so I agree. I, I don't understand. Um, I think the government's just looking in other directions. I think it's sort of the too hard basket. Um, we've got the tourism minister stating or and um the i didn't look it up it's like the australasia cruising not committee Mm -hmm. um but they're saying that they're developing a framework to the um that goes along with the government um but you know how long have they been doing that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's surprising again because here in the u.s you know, you're, we would kill for your numbers. I mean, things are going yeah. down. Things are a lot better. Don't get me wrong. But throughout the entire uh, situation, the whole global health crisis, your numbers have been, you know, crazy uh, better than what we've yes. had over here. And yes. um, and New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken, has been completely COVID-free for many months now, right? Um, th- I think there was a hiccup just recently. Mm-hmm. But still, it, the, yeah, the numbers are amazing. I went to a football game last night with over 22,000 people, mm. I think it was. Like, that's, you know, it's amazing. Everything's open here, you know, like resorts and um, pools, theatres, um, restaurants, spas, casinos, theme parks, mini golf, like escape rooms, like everything that's on board a ship is open, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, and, yep. See that? Yeah, that, I just. See that to me, it is absolutely, and and that to me kind of speaks to. I mean, what I've certainly perceived here. I mean, the the cruise industry is definitely treated differently. There's there's a double standard that cruises are held to compared to other forms of travel. I mean, you guys at least have you cut off uh, international travel, whereas here in the U.S., you know, the airline industry never shut down, right? They just cut back a lot on on their on their travel, and certainly in the very very beginning when you know COVID was really isolated to like countries like Italy and. Um, yeah, Iran and a couple others like you couldn't fly there. Right. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's gone unabated more just like uh, do your best kind of thing. Whereas cruises obviously have been shut down voluntarily, might I add. But obviously there's also the whole, you know, no sale order and all that. And you guys have the same yeah. thing. You know, Pippa, again, listen, I'm biased. Everyone listening to this knows I'm biased. Right. I love cruises. So we're not I'm not coming same, at this from same. necessarily the most scientific approach. But wouldn't what I mean, it seems to me like they almost think that if you have a cruise ship, that instantly coronavirus pops up there. Yes. <laughs> it's like an incubator. So I, I, I agree. People actually think. Um, so have you heard of the Ruby Princess? Yep. So there was an incident this time last year where um, the ship came into Sydney. They let the people go um, and people were infected. And so people in Australia think that, the passengers or the crew gave it to the passengers from from the ship. Mm. Like they didn't, they thought it was not created. Well, they must have. Yeah. And I was like, no, 
the coronavirus got into Australia via an airport, via a plane. Like, it's just amazing. And I said, with the Ruby Princess, it's like someone was already infected, whether they knew or didn't know, and then they got on board the ship. And that's how it got on board. Like, I've got some stats with that as well, which I find very interesting. Can I can I share? Absolutely. So there's there were 662 cases on board out of 1,700 passengers. Um, there was 28 deaths, which included eight Americans. And out of the 60, 662 cases, there was 11 community transfers from those people, which none um, died out of those 11. We also had an incident in Victoria in Melbourne, um, which they call sort of the hotel debacle, where the security guards sort of (laughs) were out and about. And anyway, the virus got out into the general public. And from that, there was Victoria and Melbourne had to lock down much more than other states and areas in Australia. And I think Victoria had over 800 deaths alone from that incident. Um, so, you know, no no one sort of talks about that, you know, when they'll talk about the beginning of COVID, they'll talk about the Ruby Princess. And I, I also find it funny, and I know you do too, is if you mention it to someone like cruising, they'll bring up Titanic. And it's like, that's, you know, over 100 years ago. I don't know why you bring that up. Yep, absolutely. Well, Here's the thing, and, and the Ruby, I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the Ruby Princess, because that and the Diamond Princess get brought up all the time. And let yeah. me say this loud for everybody in the back that can hear it. Comparing what happened on those ships in the beginning of the pandemic is like talking that uh air travel is unsafe because you're looking at what air, airport security was before 9-11. Um yes. it's yes. nobody, no cruise line, no country, no government is going to approach a COVID case on a cruise ship in the same way that it was back then because nobody knew how it worked. Nobody, they just yeah. let it simmer on, on there, lock the door. I mean, it was just completely different approach. That's not the approach, by the way, that Singapore has with Royal Caribbean. That's not the approach. Like if that were to occur, I'm saying, um, yes. that's not the approach yeah. that, that Israel is going to be doing on Odyssey of the seas in Europe, all the countries, MSC with Italy, TUI with Germany, they have agreements and plans and actually they know how to treat these things so that that a diamond princess a ruby princess will never happen again yeah and and that's unfortunately but you're absolutely right it gets brought up all the time oh don't you remember what happened yes i do remember what happened but that was when we thought that like you had to bleach your your vegetables you got from the supermarket we've since learned you really don't have to do that in fact you shouldn't be doing you shouldn't you don't have to clean any of your surfaces from things you're getting from you know stores or whatnot it's it's you know it's it's all through the air and and the importance of masks and obviously the vaccine's changing all this so it's it's almost a mood issue at this point which is great to say but yeah you're you're absolutely right that again this goes back to what i was saying earlier pippa that it seems like the Australian government, and also I think to some extent, at least the CDC and some of their talkings, um, if you read some of their summaries, it seems like they think that if you have a cruise ship, boom, it's just going to appear as if like, um, yeah. you know, like uh, dropping, um, uh, I don't, what's that candy you drop in soda and then it explodes immediately, <laughs> you know? Um, Mint, Mintos. Yeah, Mintos, right, exactly. Like that Like that would happen instantly. It's not a, yeah. it's not a one-to-one. It doesn't occur that way, no more so well, than a lot of other things. Absolutely. I tell people that 
you know, do you take an elevator? Like when was the last time your ele- the elevator got cleaned, you know? It's like on a ship, it gets cleaned top to bottom on the hour, every hour. It always has done, always will do. It is in the company's best interest to make sure that passengers stay fit and healthy, you know? Like I... I think moving forward, there's not going to be that much of outbreaks of Norwalk virus because there will be more people washing their hands, more people sanitizing, and I think that's a great thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's um, now I'm correct in saying earlier, you're despite the extension, your cruise season is essentially it goes beyond your cruise season. Is that right? Um, so Carnival and Princess and P&O cruise year-round out of Australia, but uh, Royal Caribbean, it's roughly from October to April. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. And um, obviously, as you're um, you're coming on the tail end of it now, because we're obviously we're in March, April's around the corner, you're about to hit the off-season for Royal Caribbean anyway. And so, you know, looking forward, I mean, let me ask you this, and I know that I'm asking myself this exact same question, but let's fast forward now to October 2021. Um, how, you know, are you looking at that with uh, optimistically that you'll be able to get on a cruise at that point? I've definitely in the last sort of month, two months, there's been better days than bad. I've, I've, thought really positive thoughts and sort of feedback and um but with the recent sort of extension to june the 17th with the no sale order Mm -hmm. um i just feel if they extend that to the september then sort of the first half of the season they'll, they'll just have to cancel because even if they get approval in september you know, they would have already had to have put so many things into place. And that's why I'm really hoping June they do tell the cruise lines, yep, okay, you're good to go because it's still going to take a good month, two months for the companies to get their act together, you know, get the crew ready to to quarantine. And that's the other thing people will say that, oh, no, we can't have any international people coming into Australia, so the crew, you know, the crew can't come. And it's like the crew are already on the ship. The ship is going to be quarantined. It's going to take take 14 days to come to Australia. Heck, do another 14 days <laughs> quarantining in Australia. The crew, I believe, will be vaccinated. Like, it's for me, again, like you said, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> Just just bring it. Yep. Well, hopefully we'll have a chance to uh, to go there. And, and I'm hoping also, Pippa, that maybe the only good news, if you want to look at it that way, is that because you have this off season coming up, that there's obviously opportunity for cruises to resume in Europe and then hopefully, knock on wood, also the United States. And that would maybe be the impetus to basically convince your government that, hey, things are, you know. It, it can operate in a safe manner, certainly. And, uh, yeah, and, and that's what is, I think, so hard to swallow is the fact that, you know, if Europe and America do start cruising and we're little old Australia over here by ourselves, COVID-free, and we still can't cruise, it's like, what? Mm-hmm. Yep. And even even if it's um, just out of Australia, going to Australian ports, like I added it up, we've got over 14 ports in Australia that we could cruise to. Um, I'm happy to cru- have cruises to nowhere, happy to have cruises, um, yeah, just to my state. Like, yeah. I, I don't see the problem. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that to me makes a lot. I mean, it's one thing to go to Fiji. It's another to 
to go to you know um you know different different places within Re- australia within the cans. Mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely. because i can i can drive to cans or i can f- fly to cans yep. and that's not an issue or a problem but i can't cruise to cans <laughs> Uh, it's a crazy world we live in, but uh, thank you, Pippa, for joining us here, and I appreciate the insight and look into uh, where cruising is, and I hope, Pippa, the next time you get back on the podcast here, we'll be talking about a cruise that you've either taken or about to take or the imminent return of cruising in Australia. Absolutely. I'd love it. Yes, please. Thanks a lot, Matt. All right, time to answer some listener questions. Our first email this week is from Don Goldstein, who writes, I was a little late listening to episode 397, but another thing people should know is don't threaten to sue Royal Caribbean over an issue, even if you don't mean it, because you'll be permanently banned from cruising on a Royal Caribbean brand. This happened to an acquaintance who was having trouble getting Royal Caribbean to take her issue seriously. We think she was overreacting. So she sent an email to Michael Bailey and threatened to sue. She had three more cruises booked and her reservations were immediately canceled and refunded. According to our travel agent, this will always happen with this kind of a threat. Wow, I had no idea that was a thing. I mean, yes, I know people say that all the time. It's like, you know, it, to me, it's also like, you know, oh, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Doesn't mean you're actually going to eat a horse, right? But uh, the fact that they did that, of course, I've never tried sending an idle threat to uh, Michael Bailey, the CEO of Royal Caribbean, but that's really interesting. They take it that seriously. I mean, I guess it makes sense, right? I mean, you, you never know, right? Even though 99% of the time, it probably is just somebody blowing off steam, but still, I would say, Don, you're 100% right. Don't send emails that threaten to sue. But more importantly, just don't send emails to the CEO at all, period. There's, I, I, I have never sent an email to any executive. I just, they're, they're, I understand you want to get to like, you know, can I please speak to your manager? Like that kind of a, a mentality. And you want to go right to the top and let them know how you feel. I get that. Um, I, I think that in general, that if you have complaints, you're going to get a lot more traction out of them by going through the proper channels. Not to say that the person answering the phone, you know, can or can't help you. Um, I just, I think quite frankly, you're wasting your time more than anything going to the top. And in this situation you did, but also um, this goes back to something else, you know, about uh, that again, should have been on those things you sh- people should know, you know, certainly treating the crew with respect uh, on board the ship. That's a biggie right there. Uh, and it, whether you're talking to the CEO, the waiter, your stateroom attendant, or anyone else in between, you know, you don't have the right to threaten anybody. I mean, Threatening a lawsuit is a little different than obviously bodily harm or anything like that, but treat people with respect and yeah, bite your tongue or step away from the keyboard, I guess, in this situation. Uh, when it comes to this, like take a breath and count 10 seconds, I guess. My goodness. I've never even heard of that story before. That's crazy. And uh, we only have time for one more email this week, and that is from Dan, who writes, Hi, Matt. I was thinking of having another couple book a room and sail with me in December. My concern is that ships seem pretty well booked up and newly booked rooms could be at risk of being canceled due to capacity issues. Do you know if Royal Caribbean is booking ships to full capacity this year or have they already blocked off about half the rooms? I would hate to have someone book a room just to have it canceled on them a few months before the trip due to capacity restrictions. We're thinking of getting a floating cabana on a perfect day, but it makes no sense spending $1,700 for two people. Any idea how Royal Caribbean is handling bookings for this year and capacity limits. Dan, great question. And the answer is, as far as we know, there's been no change to sailings out of you know the U.S. Really, the only places we've they, they, they've implemented these sort of uh, limited capacity would be Singapore and Israel on Quantum of the Seas and uh, Odyssey of the Seas, respectively. 
Um, this is the, the idea of limited capacity is a, an almost guarantee. But as far as I know, Dan, that has not been implemented in actual bookings because technically it's not a policy yet. Um, this is a bit of a uh, of, of a lesson in, I guess, um, pl not planning, but I don't know the, the way that the logistics here of how things going. So if we go back to the summer of 2020, the Royal Caribbean's uh, joint uh, commission with uh, the with Norwegian Cruise Line, the healthy sail panel came up with 74 recommendations for essentially how for cruise ships to, you know, sail safely. And one of them was to have limited capacity, you know, in order to enforce social distancing, you need to have limited capacity. Don't sell the whole ship, sell a percentage, whether that's half or three quarters, that's to be determined later on, but you should have limited capacity. Those recommendations have not actually been turned into Royal Caribbean protocols yet outside of, again, Odyssey and Quantum. Um, Part of that, there's a lot of reasons, and we're not even privy to why. I mean, they just haven't delivered it yet. I believe the reason is they're waiting. I mean, because they're shut out of cruising anyway, there's no point in, in making a line in the sand, uh, drawing a line in the sand, uh, only to have it roughed up later and move somewhere else because things change between now and when your cruises actually can restart. But the answer to your question, Dan, is I'm not aware of any actual change to uh, the, the bookings or whatnot. So theoretically... Um, if you book a cruise today as the recording at, at the date of the recording this podcast, you know, you could book up the whole ship uh, outside again of Quantum and, and Odyssey. Uh, will that change? It's possible. And we have no idea, Dan, uh, how they'll handle that. It's been a big question. You know, will they will they say, OK, we can only sell 50 percent of the ship? Let's just say hypothetically. OK, so anybody, you know, let's we'll start figuring out who the newest bookings are and start getting rid of those people. Go chronologically backwards. Will they look at Crown and Anchor Society status? We don't know. They could do what they did in Singapore and um, in Israel, and that is on Odyssey and Quantum. They got around the problem by simply canceling all the existing itineraries and then reissuing the sailings with revised itineraries and then limit, limiting the capacity and taking bookings that way. So far, that has been Royal Caribbean's MO. That isn't to say that they're going to do that here in North America or in, in other regions of the world, um, but they haven't drawn that line in the sand. So to go back to your question now, uh, listen, if your friends want to book the cruise, I would say they could book the cruise, obviously. Um, there's no guarantee one way or another, Dan, that they will or will not be able to join you on or you'll be able to join them on it. Who knows? Uh, there's just Royal Caribbean has not divulged that information. So hopefully that helps you out, Dan. And thank you to everybody for listening to the podcast. If you have an email you would like to send me, send me an email to uh, Matt, M-A-T-T, -T, at Royal Caribbean blog dot com, Royal Caribbean blog dot com. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.